Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Even in my book, I wrote this part called $100 Off Days, where my goal is to build my business on my off days, just my off days. Because I was working five days a week on my job, two days a week on my dream. Every single day, my goal is to go out and sell four T-shirts. I'm selling T-shirts for $25. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to sell four T-shirts. I'm trying to make $100 on each off day. So my boy was like, nah, you got to grind, man. You got to work every single day. I know myself. I'm low-key lazy. I work hard because I'm kind of lazy. I want to get to a point where I don't got to do nothing. You work smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's what lazy people say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, my, my goal is I'm focused on whatever happens throughout the week is extra. But my goal is on my off days, fill it with work. If I can put time into my job, I can put time into my, my business. So I started hitting these these hundred dollars each off day. So I called my boss like, yo, can you only put me on four days a week instead of five? Because I knew if I can make two hundred dollars on two off days, if I had three off days, I can make three hundred. Mm-hmm. And that joint started to hit. So long story short, by the time I quit my job, I was like working a day a week. So I like trans so I, I teach people to transition out of their job. Mm-hmm. Let's set these small goals and build from there. So can you talk about that? Because that's important as far as it's all about strategy yeah. in life, and it's like you never just want to jump out the window with anything. So, can you break that down a little bit? The transition out of your job, I like that yeah. idea. Was it was like I'm thinking to myself like, was there any fear in that? Like, or what, how did that play on your mind? Like, I'm I'm doing this, I'm out. I don't know. It wasn't really a it wasn't really a fear because it happened so gradually. 
You know what I mean? It's like the, with this podcast, you drop one episode, then two, then three, and it starts to build. So I'm trying to make on my just the two. I'm, my goal is to make two hundred dollars a week. If I can't sell eight T-shirts in seven days, you know what I mean? Like so, it was it wasn't like a fear of oh I got to go quit my job. That would be scary. I'm just trying to make a couple more dollars to like go to the club and hang out and put something on a bottle. <laughs> I, I still want to go buy it myself, but I want to be a person that can chip in. Yeah. So it, it wasn't really a fear, especially because since I was a kid, I've always been trying. Mm-hmm. The hard part was sticking when I'm only making $200 a week. like mm. Or or sticking when I'm not really making any money instead of saying, yo, you know what? I think I'm going to try real estate because T-shirts don't work. It was just me. So the mm. hard part was just staying in my lane and you know just staying one course for a while. Yeah, it, it goes back to your, and I, I, I looked at your, your page, the life cycle of a good idea. Yeah. It, this sounds like the life oh, cycle of a good Oh, for sure, everybody ideas. goes through it too. You know what I mean? Like, can you break down that process? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have ideas and they make it to the first stage of excitement, yeah. but they never make it to the last stage. Oh, never. So uh, I came across this presentation. I was on tour with ET uh, 2017, and I think like a few hours before um, I was supposed to turn in my presentation, I just I was like, yo, I got it. The life cycle of a good idea is excitement. Everybody gets excited about the idea, but then you got to move to evolution, where you got to start evolving the idea, which is not as exciting as when you got the idea and you get to tell everybody mm-hmm. and you see the vision. Yo, this goal was taking me out of my job. So, excitement, then evolution, then engagement. So after you evolve it, you got to engage people. That gets scary because mm-hmm. you got to actually approach people and make a sale and try to get to buy in. You got to get people to buy in. Yeah. But then with engagement comes resistance. You'll automatically have those people to say, yo, I don't want to buy it. And then you have to make a decision. And the decision is either get excited about something else or move into expansion. But the trick is taking each stage with you. So if you're excited and you move to evolution, you got to be excited while you're evolving the idea. And some people move from evolution to engagement, but they stop evolving the content. Mm. So once you start to hit resistance, if you're still engaging people and evolving, you're asking people, okay, why aren't you buying this? Because you're still evolving it. You're still trying to get better, meaning you're still engaging. You're assessing it. You're assessing it. And then you make a decision to just don't get excited about something else, fight through it, take all that data, get re-excited about the same concept, Retool it, yeah. keep engaging, go through the resistance, and then you, you expand. You, Not, you, you said something important, and Shadi comes from a sales background, and you come from a sales background. You said a sale starts when somebody says no. Oh, for sure. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, somebody says no, I was next to the, to the next person. <laughs> but what, what's the importance of that? Like, what's the philosophy behind that? I mean, when you go into a shoe store, obviously somebody comes up to you and they're like, can I help you? And you always say, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, we're trained to say no. Yeah. The actual set, the game starts when they say no first. Mm. So I was expecting, yo, you want to buy this T-shirt? And they say no. I'm like, ah, all right, man, well, I got to go to the next person. But then I realized that one of my mentors said, yo, make them tell you no twice. So I'm like, yo, would you like to make buy this T-shirt? And they say, nah, I'm good. And I'm like, yo, are you sure? Look at this. Like, look at that. Like, this this, this would be dope with your shoes. And for some reason, I started converting. Like, people like, oh, all right, uh-huh. yeah, you're right. Let me get it. Right, so now, you know, fast forward, I was able to leave the Cheesecake Factory and jump into the kiosk. I make you tell me no till you walk away. Because, yo, I've converted on the third sale, The I mean the third no, the fourth no. And sometimes people will buy because they tired of you asking and they know you're not gonna let them go. Look, I got some, all right, cool, just give, all right, give me that one, here. 
Take it. Make them tell you no more than once. <laughs> yeah, now the sales is, we talked about that a few times on the podcast. It's something that most people are extremely afraid of because mm-hmm. nobody likes to talk to strangers. Like, we're conditioned as kids not to talk to strangers. Oh, like, yeah, that's the first thing sure. they tell you. Don't talk to strangers. And that carries over as an adult. And it's like right. to walk up to somebody, especially to try to ask them to buy a product and to spend money with you is like, it's terrifying for most people. But I always say, like, if you can actually sell, do sales, I, I recommend anybody that wants to do, be in business to do at least one year of sales. Oh, yeah. Selling something. I don't care whether it's life insurance, whether it's knives, whether it's <laughs> cell phone cases. You got to be able right, to sell right, something. Because right. if, if you could sell something, A, it takes a fear away. Yeah. And you'll realize that the worst thing in the world is not a no. Yeah. Right? It's not like... People say no. You're still living. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like sure. you got to develop thick skin to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I got a client. Shouts out to my man Sam. He came on our, our coaching call. Like I have a call in the mornings, and he said, "Man, what, how do I take my business to the next level?" And my question was like, "Yo, how many people do you ask to buy your service?" And he said, "Man, not that many." I said, "Yo, how, give me a number. Like how many people do you actually ask?" He said, "Well, uh, I don't, not a whole lot, but bro. How many did you ask yesterday?" He said, "None." I said, that's the problem. So this is what I want you to do, because he's afraid to ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, or he's he's, a, he's afraid to attempt, he's afraid to like uh, like get into sales. But what I told him was, I just want you to ask three people a day. That's your goal. I don't care whether they buy or not, because the pressure is in their answer. And But if you condition your mind to say, yo, my goal is not to make a sale, my goal is to just ask five people every day. So I can go to the store and say, yo, I don't want to bother you. My coach make me do this. Um, would you like to buy this T-shirt? Okay, that's one. Hey, mom, I know I, I, I ain't talked to you in a little while. I never, I've asked, I never like never tried to sell you anything, but yeah. let me get my number out. And if you can start to get your number out, three sales, five, just make five calls. Make your goal, make your goal the work, not the reward, because the reward is scary, because if you don't get it, you're disappointed. But what you can control is the work. That's the only thing you can control. Mm. So is there a, uh, is like a fine line between persistence and annoyance? Because I could imagine like, yo, get this, get this, get this, and it's like, all right. Is there I mean, a fine line there? To make a sale, you got to be kind of annoying a little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you yeah. got to ask certain people. It's going to be somebody you want to get on the podcast. They say no. Next time you see them, you need to ask them again. It's only our inside. We feel like mm-hmm. we're being annoying. Yeah. But sometimes people just forget. Or... And I learned this at the Cheesecake Factory. So dope. People want to, they want to eat cheesecake, but they want you to convince them. They want to do it, but mm. the right thing to say is no because it's high in fat calories. But they really want me to ask. They really want me to convince. They feel good, strong-willed, because they're saying no because they're on a diet. Yeah, we got this new one. <laughs> oh, for sure. They'll be happy when I convince them. No, it's the no thing is extremely important. And it's important for people to understand not to take things personal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just... Living in New York, I was on the subway uh, years ago, and I just did like an observation. It's like people, these guys handing out like free newspaper. They're mm-hmm. free to any anybody that's like coming through the, the turnstile. And every single person was like, "No, I'm good." They looked. They was just, and I'm I'm thinking to myself like, it's free. It's a free newspaper. Right. <laughs> Why not take it? But right. it's like they're just conditioned, conditioned that he's trying to sell me. He's not even trying to sell. He's giving it away. Yeah. And it's like no. It's like the same thing. It's like. A pretty girl, like you might want to dance with a pretty girl, and she, before you even, she's like, no, but it's like you didn't even look at me, right? No, but she's just used. Yeah. She's conditioned to say no. So yeah. I say I have to say like people in general are conditioned to say no. So peeling back that layer and saying like, well, why? 
it's free. It's a free newspaper. How yeah. come you don't want to take it? Like, yeah. I mean, like, let me just get the no out of the way. And you're not going to convince everybody, but some people, once you just get that first layer, like if you can get past that first layer, it's like a home run after that. Yeah, I think how you how you do anything is how you do everything. So if if you're attempting to make a sale and they say no. If you're working on a product and you just can't figure it out, like these mics, you just couldn't figure out how to get it working, you'll probably stop at that too and just get another mic, mm-hmm. right? But once you develop a certain um, a certain level of persistence, you, once you develop that trait, that carries to everything. You know what I mean? Like if you can be if you can be <clears throat> persistent in a in a sales transaction, you could be persistent in getting that person interested in that, enough to date you or trying to close that deal I believe how you do anything is how you do everything so you sound like you're gonna be the host on bachelor man <laughs> <laughs> so what are some steps like you said you coach people um to become entrepreneurs from their, their nine to five what are some steps I'm sure there's a lot of people that may listen to this podcast that have nine to five jobs and want to become entrepreneurs like what are some practical steps that people can take I think the first step is just set a goal and I don't care what the goal is ideally if you're new in entrepreneurship, you don't want to set a sales goal or a reward goal. You want to set a work goal. So mm-hmm. your work goal might be starting out from six to seven every single day. I'm going to work on this product or this project, whatever it is I'm doing from six to seven. If you got a podcast from six to seven, I'm reaching out to people to be on my. I don't care what they say. Their answer doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. But for me to hit my goal from six to seven because that works on consistency you get more comfortable reaching out and you're putting a whole bunch of people in your pipeline this for this particular scenario i guess with podcasting but the first step is to set a a consistent goal that you can hit because you can't control if somebody buys or not Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i think the first step is if you have a business you set some work goals and out of those work goals, if you get comfortable in that long enough, then you set some small reward goals and you just do that consistently. My my goal is to sell one a day, whatever the product is. Let me just sell one a day. And you do that often enough, you'll get tired of that. Now, you know what? I'm glad you said that because that's something that I learned <clears throat> early on in business when I was first came into business, right? And I learned that you can't, People make the mistake all the time because they say, okay, I want to make $100,000. And in order to do that, I need to make $2,000 a week, right? And it's like, okay, I'm going to make $2,000 a week. I'm not going to work two weeks out the year. So if I make $2,000 for 50 weeks, I'll make $100,000. But that's not really an attainable goal because it's like, what does it take to make $2,000 mm-hmm. a week, right? And you don't know. Exactly. You've never done it. So yeah. it's like if you're selling a product, right, you might say, okay, I need to sell 10 of these, whatever they are, in order to make $2,000. But but even saying, all right, I'm going to sell 10 products, that's really not a good goal because how are you going to sell 10 products? You got to dig deeper to say, okay, in order to sell 10 products, I know I need to speak to 100 people. Exactly. So the goal is not to sell 10 products. The goal is to speak to 100 people. Exactly. So now you dig it down even deeper and it's like, okay, well, how do I speak to 100 people? I need to get 25 referrals. Mm-hmm. I need to go to five networking events. Mm-hmm. I need yep. to cold call 100 people. Yep. That's the formula for me to speak. My goal is to, if I speak to 100 people, I'm going to sell 10 products. I'm going to make 2,000. But a lot of times people do it backwards. Yeah. They say, I'm going to make 2,000. They get frustrated because it's June and they haven't made any money. Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, they just quit. Yeah, the question is like, how long did you think it was going to take to be successful? <laughs> right.
Kanye West. That's uh our brother. We can't throw him away. Yeah, Kanye West. You went to his concert. I go to a lot of I've been to a, a number of his concerts. I remember the first time I saw him, he was opening up for Usher on a confessions tour. Yeah. That's how far back I've been. Well you went to his tour. most recent concert. Yeah, I was at the In uh, LA. Jesus is king. We told that story on live. Yeah, I went I went to uh Sunday service, man. Yeah, he went it to was, Sunday service. It was a moment. Um, it was we a was moment. at Complex Con, me, um, Mike, Jamal, you, we was at Complex Con in LA in Long Beach. Yeah. And he had his show. And you brought tickets to the show <laughs> for all of us. Yeah, man. And Good um, guy. you was about to go. It was in Inglewood, and you got in the Uber, <laughs> and nobody else got in. Yo, listen, I'm a, let's paint this picture. It was like three o'clock. I'm like, yo, this show starts at at four. Like, I'm calling this Uber right now, guys. I'm. It's a 45 minute ride to Inglewood. Y'all coming with me? Everybody's like, ah. I was like, I'm calling the Uber. We all walked outside. I got in the Uber, I looked back, I saw y'all standing on the curb. I said, listen, I'm, I'm closing this door. This is gonna be a, a one-man journey. And I looked, and y'all took two steps backwards, and I closed the door, and I said, I'm going. Yeah, nah, that was a fact. <laughs> Shout out to Kanye, no disrespect. No disrespect, yeah. They left me, y'all. Just wasn't in the vibe. Just, you gotta be mentally prepared for that. And, and I'm not uh, mad at it. I told you, when I and I, <laughs> I doubled back. I came back, I was like, you know what? Some things you need to experience by yourself. I kind of need, needed that, man. It was an emotional moment. So yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to Sunday Service. Shout out to, yeah, you went by yourself. Um, but shout out to Complex Con too. That was a dope event. But I say that to say, we're gonna talk about Virgil Abloh. Yeah. Right? And um, Virgil, if you, don't, if you don't know, is uh, he just recently uh, took the head job at the head designer of Louis Vuitton? Louis Vuitton, yeah. I think the men's line of Louis Vuitton, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and yeah, so he's he's big in fashion, obviously. Yeah. But before that, he's has a brand called Off White. Yep. Off White, if you're not familiar, is huge. It's, it's it's one of these things where all of the rappers wear it, all of the athletes <laughs> wear it, and. It costs a thousand dollars for a T-shirt. It's crazy. It's like you know, off white is like a thing. It's, 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 it's definitely a thing. A thing. But so I, I mentioned Kanye West because Virgil comes from Kanye's tree. So when we talk about Kanye's tree, we talk about his musical tree, mm -hmm. right? People that have come from him. Mm -hmm. So the Big Sean's of the world, John the John Legends of the world, uh, Kid Cudi the influence. Kid Cudi's of the world. Yeah. Um, these are all people that come from Kanye's tree. We can put Drake in there. No, 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 we can't put Drake in there. <laughs> Got to. No, 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 we can't play with Drake like that. But um, so, so shout out to the six guard. So, uh, so that's OD. So, but but music is crazy. His 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 um, branches is crazy in music. But even more impressive is his fashion. Yeah. So people, Probably, that, I would say more impressive. The people who come from under Kanye in fashion is Jerry Lorenzo. Yeah, fair God, fair of God. Yep. Um, Virgil Abloh, who we just spoke Obviously about. Obviously, off white. Yep. Um, Don C. Don C. Yeah. Who uh, worked the Jordan brand? Yep. And what else did he do? He still has it. And he has the the RSVP shop. Yeah, yeah. He has a couple of deals. He did. Uh, he did a deal with the NBA where he licensed some of their stuff. Yeah, Don C. Don C. Is dope. And Virgil and Kanye actually moved to um the all of them. They all, all literally of them. for like six months, and they they interned at, at Louis Vuitton. So it's crazy. So all right, the so, Louis Vuitton Don actually nah Louis Vuitton did Don. It. Yeah, he got his whole name from that whole vibe. So what happens? Okay, so Virgil starts a company called Off White, right? Mm -hmm. And Off White blows up. Off White becomes a really big thing. Yeah. And it's um one of those things, like I said, where everybody's just it's like you gotta get an off white yeah. shirt. Well he's, or, it started before. Like he built the buzz because he had that pirate there was like this Pyrex vision, that fashion line that he had done. But it was he was putting it on other pieces of clothing. So you might see a champion sweatshirt, but it had like the Pyrex stuff on it. So Pusha T, obviously that made sense, right? He's part of that that crew, that conglomerate, that Kanye <coughs> conglomerate. So they was wearing it and then that Pyrex became a, a big thing. Like Jay wears it and that was big. And then 
Somebody yeah. saw the light in him. Yeah, that's a fact. So um, Marcelo Braun. That's his uh, name? Berlon. Berlon. Marcelo. Yeah. Marcelo. Yeah, you got it. Marcelo Berlon yeah. um, recruits him to come to Italy, right? And so Mar- he he owns the New Guard group. Yeah, him and, he has two partners. Yeah. Which is a fashion conglomerate, mm-hmm. right? So he takes him to Italy and he shows him their manufacturing um, factories. <laughs> like, so, yeah, we start laughing because it's like when Kanye, remember when Kanye was on Sway and he was like, Yo, got the answer, he Sway. was talking and nobody really understood what he was talking about. And he was like, I can't produce at this level. I can't produce. And they're like, why would you, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you don't got the answer, Sway. They only going to give us t-shirts and hats. And so he's like, and even Charmaine was like, what do you, nobody really knew what he was talking about. He didn't really do a good job of explaining what he was talking about, but he was just saying like, he didn't have the factories to produce. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't go over well, right? (laughs) So That sounds about accurate. But it's crazy because it's like when Virgil, they said when he he went there and he saw the factories, (laughs) I don't know what they put these factories. It's like magical. It's like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. Yeah. So um, he, he saw these factories and he realized that he couldn't compete. Yeah. He and said it was a no-brainer. Get down, lay down yeah. type vibe. So um, he sells his company. And you know what's crazy is that, shout out to Dapper Dan, but when Dapper Dan was on The Breakfast Club. That's what they, yeah. when That's what really started this whole vibe. Because <laughs> yeah, when yeah. Dapper Dan was on The Breakfast Club. Shout out to and, Dapper Dan. And Charlemagne kept pushing him like, yo, why don't you just own yeah. your own joint like why are you working for Gucci you, you've done so much for this company you brought streetwear and couture together like create your own thing why don't you create your own thing so then he kept pushing them on that and then dad was like well who what black designer owns their own outright like on a high level on a very high level and he was like um, off white Virgil and then he was like, does he? Does he? <laughs> so, 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 they called, so then Charlemagne was like, well, what does that mean? What are you saying? He's like, I'm not saying anything. He's like, do your research. I promise you. Like, as soon as I saw that. And then one week later, this whole story yeah, comes out. I was like, that. yo, I'm doing the research. And then we found this. I'm like, oh. So, surprise. It turns out that he doesn't own Off-White. New Guard Group owned Off-White, right? Um, so, A majority stick. Majority state. Yeah. So what happens is that he sold it to the New Guard Group. All right, it happens all the time. People sell their companies. But what makes this interesting yeah. is that he, this, st- he still has control over it in a certain way because he kept the licensing, whew. right? Yeah. So this is very important. This, this, this is where the story gets interesting. So he sold the company to the New Guard Group, but he kept the licensing rights. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that New Guard was in control of development, mm-hmm. distribution, and manufacturing. Yep. So they, they Pretty did much everything. Everything, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but he was in control of licensing. So in order for them for in order for them to put it in any store or to sell it, effectively they have to rent the licensing rights from him. Mm-hmm. And then they split. They don't they didn't say what their agreement was as far as the split, but yeah. they split, let's just say hypothetically a fifty fifty split and um, so he still makes money, but he's not actually doing anything, which yeah. actually works out for him yeah, because he's, now he's just, he could focus his energy, his energy right. on running Louis Vuitton. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about licensing and trademarking is that he can do it with this one. And right now, this group, that this deal that he has with uh, New Garden, we'll talk about who, who who they sold it to, is that this one's exclusive. But the next time, and like we said, we don't know the terms of the money in the contract. We don't know the terms of the years either. But as soon as this deal's done, he can license to Newgard. He can license to this person. He could, I mean, he could do it as many times or with whoever he wants. So the licensing thing is extremely, um, it's an interesting conversation, when it, especially when it comes to fashion, because people don't fully understand, like, you know who's huge in fashion? 
So Disney. Yeah. You never really think about it like this. And shout out to Prince Darnell, another EYL alumni. Yeah. He was he was in a store, I think, like a, a month ago, and he, he did a whole uh Instagram clip about this. But Disney licensed their characters out to, all the time. All all the time. All the time. Especially fashion. They're yeah. real big in fashion. So we yeah. talked about like back in the day with Iceberg mm-hmm. with um Goofy. Goofy. Yeah. With Goofy. Yeah. And um Goofy was on all the sweaters. Yeah. They're not using Goofy. Just saying, I want to use Goofy. Yeah, that, no, you can't do that. It's a sell on it. You got to right. license it. Yeah, they so they did, they had Mickey too. I remember they. I remember the sweater. He, Mickey had the wand. So they had Mickey. They had Goofy. Peanuts. They also licensed that. But it's like they have to pay to use those characters. Yeah, and the crazy thing is like so when you go in the mall because you see especially now it's holiday time, you see a bunch of shirts with <laughs> Snoopy, Mickey Mouse, especially Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mickey he's all Mouse, over. Minnie Mouse. They're huge. You never really try. You never really paid attention, right? But if you go and you look at the tag, they're not going to say Disney. Right. You could go in Old Navy right now and find a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Yeah. Or Urban Outfitters. And all of these all of these different companies that put those characters on it, they have to pay Disney. Yeah. Right? So they license their characters out on fashion. They license other stuff out, yeah, too. They license like, music. Yeah. Uh, they, like the, and, uh, and which the Netflix. Right. Like and before, movies. Before they started their own streaming service, all of the Marvel catalog was on Netflix. Right. Netflix is paying Disney big money, big money to yeah. to to use that. It's the right? reason why now, like with Disney Plus, that all uh, like Black Panther is not on Disney Plus yet, or like Star Wars: The New Hope is not on Disney Plus yet, because the licensing agreement hasn't run out. As soon as it does, that'll be on Disney Plus. Netflix will never see another Disney product. Yeah, so it's the same thing with fashion, and some of your top favorite designers they don't own, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like they, you think they do. Because it's the name. Because it's the name. Yeah. But larger corporations like the New Guard Group, mm-hmm. they own it, right? So this happens all the time. Also, we talked about as far as even in real estate. Mm. So Trump. There's a guy. Yeah, yeah Donald yeah. Trump. It, it, New York City, you know, like, especially maybe 10 years prior to today, when you drove down the West Side Highway, it was nothing but buildings that said Trump Tower, Trump Tower, Trump Tower, Trump Tower. He doesn't own the building, the land itself. He just licensed his name to put it on the building, which in turn people associate with a lifestyle. It's yeah. like, this is high luxury. I'm living in the Trump Tower. I have money. I have high luxury. There's a certain lifestyle that comes with it. Yeah, he did He did that probably <laughs> yeah. the best, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, hated to love it, but you got to always look at a business case study. Right, you gotta take emotions out when you're looking at business. Mm-hmm. So whether you know politics is very divisive. So whether you love them, whether you hate them, whatever, you gotta look at the business model behind it. Right, like all of this stuff from his ties, a lot of his golf courses, golf, yep. um, all of those buildings, those Trump Tower. Very few of those does he actually own the casino too. <laughs> he licensed his name. People pay him because he built the brand right. around Trump, the name Trump, and now it's like okay. Just the name on itself, I can make money via value. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is what makes the Virgil deal interesting because it's like, okay, like we said, people sell their companies all the time. We talked about Kylie Jenner recently selling 50, 51% of yeah. our company. So he sold the company, but he also is making money on the back end because yeah. he licensed it, right? Yeah. That's the, and, and that's one of the things they said, especially in fashion, if anyone's trying to start something, owning the trademark is probably the most valuable thing you can have in fashion because you that lives on forever like this lease agreement that you might have eventually they're renting but that lives on forever as soon as that agreement is done you can find seven different partners to now license with and then that lives on in perpetuity it's like yeah. keep that he you know what he does he owns his masters we always talk about music yeah virgil owns his masters but so but now what happens is that 
So New Guard Group gets brought. Mm. So what happens, okay, so Virgil has to deal with New Guard Group, right? And he sells him a percentage, of, a large percentage of the company, but he keeps the licensing agreement, right? They do all of the work. They manufacture it. They distribute it. They do everything. He gets paid, and they have a good relationship, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, right? But now New Guard Group gets brought by G3. G3. Which yeah. is another fashion conglomerate company. Yeah. So now this is where it becomes a little complicated because it's like, okay, it's like a record label. We had Mickey Fax only saying he got dropped by one record label or his record label got acquired by another record label, right? right? So it's like you might have a good understanding with an executive at RCA, but now <laughs> Sony bought you. Yeah, so now it's a whole different, you know, relationship. Yeah. So it's the same thing with, with this, right? So it's like, okay, you might not be on the same page, right? Because right. now you you got the company that you sold it to got Acquired. Right. So I'm assuming that, you know, obviously Virgil's seasoned and I'm assuming he has good, good counsel and, and he's around good people that's giving him good advice and he's knowledgeable himself. So now what you do is you put a termination clause in. Yeah. A termination provision, really. So it's like, what that means is like, if a brand or if the company decides to put out stuff that does not represent the brand any further, then he has the right to say, you know what? We don't want to do business anymore. Since you've sold it, the company, and we lost our agreement. If you can't match what we our expectations going forward, if we're not a high luxury brand and going forward, we end up in like a TJ Maxx or something, our deal's terminated. Yeah, it's very important. So that's very important because you always gotta, I always give the analogy of like when you go to the movies, like before a movie starts, they, they always say like, this is the exit. <laughs> right, when right, you get right, on right, a pl- right. When you get on a plane, before the plane takes off, they tell you where the exit rows are and they tell you like the procedure, like if, if an emergency happens, right? So if you really on point, but when you go to any building, you always gotta recognize the exit before you, cause it's like getting out is more important than getting in. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to identify the exit, preferably before you even get in. Right. right? Cause you don't wanna get somewhere and you, you don't know. Then you Stop. gotta kinda like walk <laughs> around Stop. the room, where's the exit? So if you, re- like presidents, right? They already mapped out the exit strategy before they, before they actually get in. That's the Secret Service's job. So in business, it's no different. Before you do a deal, you got to figure out the exit strategy. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't go bad, but you always got to think, what if it does, right? It's like getting a, it's like getting a prenuptial agreement when you get well, married. What's that? <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, you, hopefully, you never have to use it. But right. just in case, fifty percent chance that it, you know, it, it doesn't work out. You know, you you, you got your, your walking papers already established. So that's extremely important for yeah, entrepreneurs, man. and this is a very high level case, but any level of business partnership, whenever you are doing business with somebody, you always gotta have an exit built in. Because mm-hmm. if not, now you get screwed. Yeah, you're gonna get stuck, and or, G- or drop. Yeah, NG3, so they also own Donna Karen, right? Yeah. So the Donna Karen story is, <laughs> is interesting as well because- yeah. That's like the flip side of the Virgil situation. Right, Yeah. right. Like, she, didn't, she didn't license her name. Right, she didn't license her name and uh, she got acquired. She actually got acquired by LVMH. LVMH, shout out to Wall Street Trapper. We talked about that in episode oh, LVMH. 40. LVMH, and they just 44. did a deal with uh, Tiffany's. They just bought Tiffany's for 16 billion. LVMH, one of the largest companies <laughs> the, in the world. The largest. Um. High fashion, high, high luxury. Well, one of the largest. Yeah, well. Apple's the largest. Right, right, right. I'm talking about fashion. Oh, fashion, fashion. Yeah, 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 sure. So uh, LVMH, like I said, we talked about that in um, episode 44, Wall Street Trapper, yeah. but they own um, Louis Vuitton, Hennessy, Moet, um, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Tiffany's now. Yeah. Um, they own a, a, a long list of high fashion and, and just high lifestyle items. Yeah. So she sold she sold her company to them in 2000 for 450 million. That's a lot of money. Um, but that that took her out the game, 
right? But they still use her name. Yeah, they, they, she sold her brand and her entity. So Donna Karen International, which encompasses DKNY, DKNY and everything else that comes with Donna Karen. Yeah. But now, so they sold it to G3, another G3 acquirer, um, in 2015 yeah. for $650 million. So they made 200 So they made $200 mil. <laughs> But during that process, like when they sell it, she steps down. Right, so she steps down from her position. I, I think she, when she sold it to LVMH, she stayed on as head designer. 2015, she steps down. So now, now she has nothing to do with the brand. No, nah, she's done. And but the brand still makes the, money. The brand is super profitable. Right? Yeah. Like last year, I think $570 million in profit. She gets none of it. And she has no say in a brand that has her name. It's like she could walk into any store and say Donna Karen and it's like, Wait, they made that and she could do nothing even though it has her name on it. She can't use it. That's interesting because like I said, a lot of times people don't fully understand like when they just see headlines in the, in the news. But these are things that I think any entrepreneur can learn from because it's like, okay, he sold, it's a very savvy move that he did where he sold the company but he kept the licensing rights, right? So now he's still going to make money in perpetuity yeah. as long as he keeps that agreement. Mm-hmm. The next deal is going to be silly. And, and yeah, as long as the company <laughs> keeps growing, yeah, now he can renegotiate next time yeah. um, and get even more. Yeah, because like, and that's the thing. It's like when when you see this is an exclusive deal, so like you'll see off white. Like they just did the the IKEA drop. Did you see that? They put the off white IKEA furniture. Nah, I heard it was, about it. It was crazy. So like that it. sells out like that. Like the brand just grows. Once this deal is over, whenever it is, like can you imagine the lineup of people who are coming to knock on that door to use the license? It's gonna be ridiculous. He could do it. Like right now, it's exclusive, so he can only use through New Guard, but. I can't imagine like what's gonna happen when he's a free agent, and it's like, yo, who wants to use the license? He's gonna be out of this world. Yeah, you like you know. Sometimes you get paid on front and the back end. Yeah, man. And and it's, and the Louis Vuitton stuff is moving crazy. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. So yeah, we gotta get him more on your leisure. That's a fact. Make that's it happen, y'all. Shout out to Ernest, Bush. get on it. We gotta make that happen. Big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.